0: Good morning, everyone. My name's uh, Pastor Josh, and I'm not one of the kids. I am. uh, I'm going to be teaching today, and I look like it. If you are in kindergarten through fifth grade, I want to see your hand up. Who's up? Yes. Okay. fantastic. I love it that you guys are in the service with us today. We are going to look at Acts chapter 9, at the story of this guy named Saul. Now, in our previous weeks here, we have talked about Um, the what of never the same. Someone being changed, doing this, then doing this, or having this perspective, then going to this perspective. But today we're going to look at the how. How does God change people and make them never the same? So before we do that, let me open us in prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you so much for this Wonderful Sunday that we come and celebrate your son Jesus. Thank you that is Family Worship Sunday. Thank you for these families. Thank you that we are a family of God that no matter our biological family, we are all one in Christ. You've adopted us into your family. Thank you so much. Lord, give us um, just a new perspective and a fresh look at uh, the conversion of Saul today in Acts 9. And I pray that we will be encouraged about what you're doing in our lives and in our community. We love you so much, Jesus. We pray this in your name. Amen. All right, so today we're looking at the conversion or the um, entering into the faith of Saul. Now, kids, if you might have gotten one of these, you can follow along. This is the Family Worship Sunday Guide. That's for you, ages kindergarten uh, to fifth grade. Well, let me tell you a little, quick, uh, little bit about Saul. This guy named Saul will soon be called Paul, but now he's still Saul. Be- this guy is the least likely person in all of the nation of Israel to become a follower of Jesus. He's highly educated. He's an elite of the religious society. If he was at your school or at your elementary school, he'd be the best basketball player and the biggest bully. He was the least likely person that you would say, I like that guy. Or that you would say, I'd want that guy to come to my Bible study. Because you know what he did? He was commissioned by the religious leaders to arrest anyone following after the way. The way is what they called Christians before they called them Christians. So we look at our text today, starting in Acts chapter nine, verse three, on how this guy Saul meets Jesus. Now, as he went on his way, He approached Damascus, and suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. And falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But rise and enter the city, and you will be told what you are to do. The men who were traveling with him stood speechless, hearing the voice but seeing no one. Saul rose from the ground, and although his eyes were opened, he saw nothing. So they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. And for three days... He was without sight and neither ate nor drank. So here's Saul, Mr. Religious, Mr. Powerful on the road to a town called Damascus to look for followers of Jesus, to imprison them and arrest them and send them to Jerusalem. And bam, on this road, a light from heaven shines, knocks Saul on his back, blinds him, and Saul goes, who are you, Lord? Now, the, he uses the term Lord not as we would call Jesus the Lord and God, but as someone would call Mr. or Sir. Who are you, sir? And Jesus says, Saul, it's, it's Jesus, the one you are persecuting. Go to Damascus, and I'll tell you what to do. It's like this. Have you ever, ever at least in my house, when I was a kid, I'd um, backtalk my mom, you know, I'd say some, you know, some, you know, unkind things. And then about five minutes later, she would bring in a phone. You know, you know hello? This is, this, is your, this is your father. Sit in your room until I get home. You know, uh, you know. this is what happened to Saul. Jesus appeared. Saul, you're in big trouble. Go to Damascus. I'll tell you what to do soon. And that's where we can pick up this story, but we look at it a little more closely, and we see that Jesus revealed himself to Saul, but Saul was not an innocent traveler looking for the truth. Saul was not um, a, a faith journeyer trying to find his or her way in the world. No, Saul was going against what Jesus would have him. Saul was going the opposite direction than the direction of what is good and true. And the Bible teaches us that that's us. No one is an innocent traveler searching for the truth. We all have sinned. Scripture says that we like the darkness because our deeds are evil. But Jesus is the light of the world, and he shines even in the midst of us going the opposite way. You see, Jesus is not like your principle. If you remember back in, back in the day when you were in school, or if you're in school now, you go to the, if you go to the principal's office, not a good thing, right? You've done something bad, and you go to the principal's office. He's sitting behind this big desk. He's mad at you, and you have to make amends. That's not what the Bible teaches that God's like. Instead, God's like this. It's like he, we are in, at the zoo, and we are one step from the lion exhibit and are not ready to pet the kitty, right? But God grabs us, takes us even when we don't even know. Heartbreak, pain, and death are, are following us. See, God is a loving father that snatches us from the path we're on. We don't figure it out. We don't save ourselves. God saves us in the midst of our stubbornness. we see this guy, Saul, the most unlikely person in all of Israel become a follower of Jesus. And maybe you know some people like that in your life. Maybe you know, hey, I, I've got this sibling, I've got a family member, a friend. They are the least likely candidate to become a follower of Jesus, right? They're too stubborn, too old, too this, too that, too faithful to another faith that doesn't worship Jesus. Or maybe you feel like you're that person. I am the least likely candidate. My background is too dirty. My abilities too meager. My thoughts too polluted. This would be Saul. You see, Saul is the most unlikely candidate to become a Christian. There are so many hurdles in his life to faith and trust in Jesus. And there may be so many hurdles in your life to faith and trust in Jesus. But know that if if what's true, that Jesus said that he defeated death and sin on our behalf and he rose again on the third day, no hurdle is too high for the saving love of God. I remember when I grew up Um, I grew up in Atlanta, Georgia, and in the spring, we'd always see turtles that would come out of, you know, their huts or whatever, (laughs) wherever they live in the the winter. They would start to come out of the ground, whatever, okay. Um, They would appear. (laughs) Um, And I remember they would walk in my neighborhood, and they would all get stuck at the curb. You know, there's a little, like, curb... You know, and they're, they're stretching their little turtle necks and their little turtle arms trying to get that big shell over the curb, but it's impossible, and sometimes you would come all, along the street and this turtle shrivelled up and died because he couldn't get over the curb. But me, as a five, you know, five-year-old, 10-year-old boy, I could just pick up the turtle and put him on the yard, and there he goes. We are the turtle. From our perspective, this hurdle is so big so insurmountable, but we don't have the perspective of God. He looks at the stubbornness, the pride, the age of anyone, and it's but a bending down and a picking up to save that soul. So if you are a follower of Jesus and you have someone on your Live New 1024 card that you're praying for, it just seems so improbable, look up to God, not from your own perspective, because nothing is too difficult from the saving love of God. Well, here we have Saul. He's in Damascus. He's blind. He's not eating, not drinking. And uh, it's interesting. The, there's been a little debate. Um, every Tuesday, we, uh, the pastors get together. We talk about the sermon for, for Sunday. And um, there's a little debate in our discussion between myself and one of the bald pastors on staff here. But the thing is, there's five of them, so it doesn't get you very specific. <laughs> see, see, I, I I'm, I'm going to work this as long as I can. So, <clears throat> um, so I think that Saul doesn't get saved. yet. I think he gets saved. I think he just thinks he's in trouble. But the traditional view is, Paul, when, uh, during the light, he got shined, and Paul said, uh, "Who are you?" And then that's when he got saved. Ultimately, it doesn't matter. But I will say this, Jesus appeared to Saul, but he used people as instruments in the life of Saul to bring him to Jesus. And one of these men, one of these people is a man named Ananias. Let's let's read about Ananias in verse 10. Now there was a disciple at Damascus named Ananias. But Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man, how much evil he has done to your saints at Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priests to bind all who call on your name. But the Lord said to him, go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel for I will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. So here's Ananias, this Damascus resident, minding his own business, and God reveals himself to Ananias and says, go, you're going to be an important instrument in leading this guy Saul to Christ. Let's keep reading. So Ananias departed, And entered the house, and laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road, by which you came, has sent me, so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately something like scales fell from his eyes, and he regained his sight. Then he rose and was baptized, and taking food he was strengthened. And some days And for some days he was with the disciples at Damascus and immediately he proclaimed Jesus in the synagogues saying, he is the son of God. So what does this story tell us about Ananias? He was minding his own business. He was doing his own thing. But God said, hey, I want to use you as an important instrument in the life of Saul, to explain to him what it means to be a follower of Jesus and to share with him the gospel of truth instead of the law of death. Well, Scripture tells us that Saul stays in Damascus for a little while, and then Saul goes, hey, I need to head back to my, my home, home base, back to Jerusalem. So Saul goes to Jerusalem, but he runs into a hiccup. He serves up to Jerusalem, he wants to join the Christians, and he's like, hey guys, I'm here, and they just scatter, right? Because they know his reputation. Look with me, verse 26. And when he, when he had come to Jerusalem, he attempted to join the disciples, and they were all afraid of him, for they did not believe that he was a disciple. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles and declared to them how on the road he had seen the Lord who spoke to him and how at Damascus he had preached boldly in the name of Jesus. So here's here's Saul who's been led to the, led to the Lord. He goes to Jerusalem, but these Jerusalem believers are like, you know, a guy that's going to arrest us, potentially execute us, no thank you, right? I will not invite you to my church. Until a guy named Barnabas steps out on faith, takes a risk, and invites Saul into his life group. Barnabas says, hey, this might be costly to me, this might be a trick, but come on, come into my life group, we're going to pray together We're going to study the Bible together. We're going to learn what it means to be a follower of Jesus. And Barnabas disciples Saul. For scripture tells us, two and a half years. Saul is in Barnabas' life group. And Barnabas takes Saul under his wings. And this relationship lasts, scripture tells us, for 15 years. They become deep, dear friends and serve the Lord for 15 years. See, God used Ananias to lead Paul to the Lord. And when when Paul or it should be when Saul left, Saul was discipled by Barnabas for two and a half years. And that's, that's how people become disciples of Jesus. And you might look at this story and think, okay, this is a cool story, yes, but I have not been struck blind by a light from Jesus recently, you know? You know, this story is cool. It's one of those Bible stories, but I don't think it really has much application to my own life. I'm going to push back on that idea a little bit. I want to, I want to suggest this. that Though there's some spectacular things in this story, this story is exactly how God brings people to faith and trust in Jesus. Look at the story. From the story, we know without a doubt, Only Jesus saves. Only Jesus can save. Only Jesus has the power to save. You don't save yourselves. No one saves you. Only Jesus saves. Only Jesus died and rose again for your sin. Only Jesus gives the Holy Spirit upon salvation. And only Jesus has the power to come again and set everything to right. Only Jesus saves, but God uses us as his instruments. God uses us as his instruments. You see, Jesus could have very easily appeared to Paul, uh, Saul and said, hey, get saved, and then appeared to the church in Jerusalem and say, hey, this guy named Saul's coming, he's cool, let him in, you know. He could just appear to everyone today and say, hey, Tom, believe in me. Hey, Susan, believe in me. He could certainly do that. If, he's, if he can defeat death and rise again, he can do whatever he wants. Why doesn't he do that? Why doesn't he just pop the light on and people see? For two reasons. God is shown more spectacular when he, he uses us as his instruments And when he uses us as his instruments, it brings us a type of joy that we don't even believe. It's like this. The Bible teaches that God, the Father, has written this beautiful symphony of salvation, that this beautiful symphony has been written for people to come to know Jesus from all parts of the world, from from first graders to fifth graders, high schoolers, college students, young adults, adults. Older adults, older, older adults, right? Everybody, he has written this beautiful symphony. And he has commissioned his son, Jesus, to conduct that symphony in our world. And he's given us the joy and the opportunity to play our instrument in that symphony. See, Micah, uh, let me use this. This is a, some form of a sax, Okay, I couldn't get this thing to blow last time, but I'm gonna try it. Let me see. Yeah, okay. Okay, yeah, that's enough. So, Scripture tells us. Scripture tells us that every one of us has been given unique gifts and abilities, that we are to play a part in this symphony of salvation, led. By Jesus Christ. Every one of us has given an instrument to play. Question. Anyone here from kindergarten to, let's say, eighth grade, raise your hand if you've ever had either a musical or a dance recital that your parents came to. Okay, okay, so now. Why do you think your parents went to your recital? Was it to see art at its finest, right? Was it because the, you, know, you playing that violin is so beautiful that we, you couldn't? No. They go to see your recital for two reasons. They're proud of you, and they get joy when you get joy. See, you could be the worst violin player ever. Dude, I don't think they make cuts in the recital, right? So you, 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 know, you go through and you play the violin at the end, right? It doesn't matter how well you do. Your parents are like, that was my girl. that's my girl. People's ears may be bleeding, right? You could just say, that's my girl. That's my daughter. And when you get joy, you get dressed up and play, they get joy from your joy. It's the same with God our Father. You see, he wants you to use your gifts and abilities in his symphony of salvation because he's proud of you. He's proud of how you're made. He's proud of your gifts. He's happy with you. He saved you. If he wasn't proud of you, he would not have saved you. But if you're saved, he's proud of you and he wants to see you be used at the best of your ability. And he's interested in your joy. If if you've never led someone to the Lord, you don't know the type of joy that comes and being used by God in that way his instrument of salvation. God wants joy for your life. Happiness is different. Happiness is circumstantial, but joy is in the midst of even the worst circumstances, and he wants that. For your life. See, only Jesus can save, but God uses us as his instruments. And once we get that, that only Jesus saves and God uses us as his instruments, it changes the way we look at our lives, changes the way we look at where we're at in life, and it changes the way we look at sharing our faith with others. Primarily in three ways. We'll talk about three ways First, it keeps us from discouragement. It turns sharing Jesus from an event to a lifestyle, and it clarifies the purpose of suffering. Did you know that you can't mess up a gospel conversation? Did you know you can't mess up a gospel conversation? You can mess up a sales pitch, but you can't. Ruin a gospel conversation. If only Jesus saves and you're his instrument, you can't mess it up because he he can do it however he wants. A gospel conversation is a a success, not when someone makes a decision for Jesus. A gospel conversation is is a success when you have one. God's just looking for obedience. He's just looking for obedience for you, from you. So understanding that only Jesus can save, but God uses us as his instruments, keeps us from discouragement, you can't mess it up. Determining someone's eternal destination is above your pay grade. So be encouraged. Second, it turns sharing Christ from an event to a lifestyle. We look at look at Ananias Look at Barnabas. They each played different roles in that symphony, in that performance. If every part of a symphony was a violin, I mean, it probably could be a really good violin show, but it doesn't have the texture. It doesn't have the appeal and the bravado and the emotional impetus that a whole symphony has. And remember, We are not the Cleveland Symphony. The Church of Jesus Christ is not the Cleveland Symphony. We are Mrs. Ross's fifth grade class, right? We are not awesome. We are not, you know, the maestros. But God delights in us, and he delights in your joy. So what does that mean? What has God given you? What situation are you at? What job are you at? What place in life are you? Well, that's the instrument that God's given for you to make much of Jesus and to point people to him. And we re- when we understand that, we recognize even the way you keep up your lawn can be a witness to Jesus. I mean, you, yes, somebody's in there like got the rusted out truck next door. It can be moved away, right? How you uh, how you live, spend, of course, how you spend your money, how you use your bodies, but how you do your homework, how you treat that teacher who doesn't like you, that can be a way to point people to Jesus. And finally, when we understand that only Jesus saves, but God uses us as his instrument for salvation, it clarifies the purpose of our suffering. Look with me again at verse 15. But the Lord said to him, Go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and the kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. Do you know that suffering is, What are the most profound ways you can point people to Jesus? Especially those of you who are grandparents. I mean, you've got two options. Either you die young and unexpected or you have a long season of suffering toward the end of your life. How you deal with those sciatic issues, those uh, disc issues, the arthritis, all those things can be an amazing Testimony to your grandchildren about how Jesus is strong enough even in the midst of difficult things. Kids, are you getting bullied? Are you like, I'm in sixth grade, can I push fast forward, please? Right? How you deal with some of those things can really show and how, how much Jesus is there with you, how much he cares for you, and you could be a real encouragement to other people who may be in the situation you're at. Let me, let me close with this story. Um, in New My wife and I uh, lived in New Hampshire. We moved here about uh, 14 months ago. Had an opportunity to be an Ananias to a guy named Tyler. Tyler grew up in a terrible situation. Abusive, alcoholic father. Um, he would tell me stories about him and his brothers would get so excited if they got, like um, like, potted meat for dinner instead of just mac and cheese, because that's all they would, eat, you know, little beanie weenies, because that's all they, their dad would afford, because he would drink and use drugs and not, not work and all these things. Very difficult life. Never been to church in his life until he dated a Christian girl. Now, let me say this. Don't do that, okay? Don't, if you're single, don't date a non-Christian. But they did, okay, and she led him to the Lord. She led him to the Lord. Well, well she introduced him to the body of believers. She broke up. with, So he, you know, they moved from sitting together, and then the following Sunday, they were sitting apart. You know, they broke up. But he still kept coming to church, and I had an opportunity to be an Ananias for him. For six months, I explained to him what faith and trust in Jesus is like. He received Christ. And he would do these. What the joy of that is unspeakable. He would do these. We would meet together. And he would say these things. He goes, you know, I used to, you know, go drinking with my friends on the weekends. He was, you know, he was like eighteen, drinking with my friends on the weekends, and I'd meet, a, you know, a girl, and we'd do things we shouldn't, and it was great. And but man, since I've like, you know, me and Jesus have been doing things, and you know, we've been, we, I've been following him. Like when I do that, I feel really bad about it afterwards. What, what's the deal? I'm like, well, Tyler, that's called the Holy Spirit. You know, the Holy Spirit comes and convicts us of sin and points us to a better way. And that process for six months was beautiful, one of the highlights of my life during that two-year season in New Hampshire. But I moved. My wife and I are here in Cleveland. But a Barnabas came and invited Tyler into his life group. And an older man, about 20 years older, took him under his wing, and he is training Tyler, what it means to be a follower of Jesus. Tyler's like working, he's, you know, he's getting through school. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing. I played my part and I left and then someone else is playing theirs. So my question for you is this, what's your part? What's your part to play? Where has God, what has God given you? Where has God placed you? Who can you be an Ananias to? someone who maybe just came to faith, maybe doesn't know anything about Christ. Who can you be that Ananias to? Like, well, Josh, I haven't got a vision from heaven to witness to my neighbor. We have scripture. And Jesus says to a group of Israelites, they would say, hey, Jesus, show us a sign. He goes, listen, you've got the Bible. That's even better. Who can you be an Ananias to? Who, Who can you be a Barnabas to? Who can you bring along and meet with? On occasion, you older men, where's a younger man you can bring along and point out obstacles in the future? Look out for this. Watch out for that. What's your part? couple suggestions this next week. Invite someone to Easter. People just seem to be open to Easter. I invited someone on my list to Easter just yesterday. Who can you invite to Easter? We even have these cards um, the cards, it should be in your bulletin about the invite card. Here's one. Shows our, t- your, our times and, and, and our services. If you're not in a life group, you need to be in a life group. If your life group is too big to invite a Saul into, your life group needs to multiply. Your li- if you don't have room to invite a Saul into your life group, your life group needs to multiply have you been baptized? When, G- when when Paul Saul understood what happened, he got baptized. The Bible tells us that if you are faith, have faith and trust in Jesus, you need to be baptized. Baptized soon. Have you been baptized? You need to. And how's your Live New 1024 going? I want this message to be an encouragement to you. Are you playing your part? You are? Well, Well done. God is pleased with you no matter what, no matter how your live new 1024 is going. He's pleased with you already, but he just wants you to have more joy. And I like that about him. Well, if you have never put your faith and trust in Jesus, if you have never received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you need to do that today. You just simply say, Jesus, I need you. Help me. Take my sins. I don't, I can't do this anymore. You say that in your heart, you're saved. And then we want to connect you with an Ananias and a Barnabas to lead you in your new life. Well, let me pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, you are so good. You are so wonderful. Father, you are interested in our joy. You want us to have joy. You want us to have the joy of pointing people to your son, Jesus. Thank you that you have chosen to Allow us to be instruments in your symphony. Lord, thank you for these kids in here. Lord, bless them. Lord, keep them. May your face shine upon them and be gracious to them. Lord, give them encouragement and strength. Lord, give them a great love for you. Father, give them opportunities to share the love of Jesus with their classmates and their friends. Lord, we thank you for your resurrection, that this Sunday and every Sunday we get to worship you and celebrate that. Lord, I pray for next Sunday where a lot of people will show up. Lord, may you bring people to yourself. May the light shine in their heart and they receive you. But we love you. Thank you for your son. Lord, I pray that we have more joy this week through obedience and, and playing our part in your symphony. Lord, we love you. Thank you that you're already pleased with us, that you love us so much. We want to love you back, and we pray this in your Son, Jesus' name. Amen.